Uh, so right right after uh, we hung up our little our little pre call and sound check before um, that that wonderful email came in that I, that I just sent you and I got a I got a good chuckle out of that one. Should we read it for them? A part of it? Just excerpt it. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Which sentence should I read? There's a lot of extra quote marks and punctuation. Um, I just read your latest email about your ups and downs of your 2014 goals, etc. At which point I'm thinking, oh, it's going to be a nice email. Wrong. <laughs> However, sign you assume that your readers enjoy your quote unquote potty mouth. I request that I be removed from your email list. Folks, there's an unsubscribe link at the bottom of every email. And he uh, goes on and on and on uh, and on and on and on about uh, my garbage um, language and professionalism from the gutter. <laughs> Think it's funny? It's not funny. <laughs> <laughs> we're laughing. We're la- we're laughing. I'm sorry. I'm so I'm sorry that that he didn't he didn't find it as funny as we do. Well, if you know, it's like I didn't go to the bookstore, pick up someone's book, read it. <laughs> And then at the end, write a nasty letter to the author after I deliberately read it and then bought it. I mean, anyone can unsubscribe from our email but, list. By the way, by the way, I did a little search and count to see how many expletives there were. <laughs> there were none in your email. And in the post itself, there were two fucks, both of which were referencing a, your your book, which has... Just fucking shit, guys. It's, it's got the F-bomb in the title, so... Come on. And and four four little shits. Shit. And it was like shitty year. Like you know, that's a that's a pretty that's like it's you not really say, directed at someone. It's like my year was kinda shitty. Like that's, You can say crap on broadcast television now. You can say bitch and whore on broadcast television. I think a little shit. Frankly, we all do it. It's just a word. <laughs> so two fucks, four shits and a partridge and a pear tree. <laughs> My favorite line actually. I mean everything is in quotes, which is hilarious. I am a potty mouth. Okay, from the gutter, which makes me think of Oscar Wilde, but his last closing line is change your language and you might change your profit line. Dollar sign, dollar sign, dollar sign, dollar sign, dollar sign. How like, many how many dollar signs was that? It's five dollar signs. <laughs> Oh, well, I, I like dollar signs. It's more than shits that were in my blog post. <laughs> the funny thing about this, dear listeners, is that um, this guy assumes because he doesn't like the way that I use language. By the way, not language directed at him. If I had called him a bad name or said, like, fuck you, readers, which I never do, uh, he would have a really fair point. But I would never do that. He thinks, though, that because he doesn't like it, I, my business must be suffering. Right. And by the way, he's also, I mean, so at his request, unsubscribed. That was the right. first thing we did. And I went back and I looked and Homeboy's been on our list for a year. And there's been, I can't, I would love to count how many expletives there have been in the last 12 months. I'm sure there are a lot. Maybe this was just his breaking point. Yeah. No, I completely respect <laughs> people's unwillingness to read something they don't like you know like if at any point he had said i can't figure out how to unsubscribe please unsubscribe me i don't like it i would have we would be laughing about it because that that would be a sane thing to say totally but this is just a perfect illustration of i mean it's 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 a caricature of an illustration which is extra funny because this this uh this person happens to be a caricature artist but it's a caricature of an illustration of the kind of thing that people actually worry about um and just want to sort of share 
that, you know, yes, this stuff does happen and people respond in all kinds of ways. Um, and I think it's also worth pointing out that especially in the last, you know, six weeks, uh, or eight weeks since just fucking ship launched, um, the like torrents of positive emails that we got far outweigh this kind oh, of yeah. silliness. Like it's not, I mean, it's not even that this is a, a f- less than 1% fraction. It's, it's, you know, it's barely yeah. non-existent, but, yeah. but, um, this isn't the wall of a government courthouse. This is a private blog. Um, and mostly people who read it, they read it cause they like it. They don't read it and then silently see right. because if they don't like it, they can just stop reading it at any time for well, free. And you know, it's interesting cause I think people also make an assumption that, you know, we, uh, you know, punch up our language for the sake of connecting with, you know, a younger audience or something like that. And <laughs> which is one of those things where like, it's the, the truth is, is this is us being us. This is, this is true authenticity. Um, I think it's like Simon Sinek in one of his talks talks about how brands do a bunch of market research to determine how to be more authentic, which is the most asinine <laughs> thing in the world. That's like, that's like turning to your friend. That's like, Amy, that's like if you were to, to you know, you would have come to me and say, Alex, I'm trying to f- figure out how to be a more authentic me. How would you like me to be so that I can be more authentic, which is, com- that's com- obviously Also, insane. that would suck because Alex, what you like and what I do Often don't cross paths. <laughs> That's, which is true. Which is it's absolutely which is part true. of why you like me, of course. Absolutely true. It's it's the it's the variety being the spice yeah, of life. Yeah. But but it's not you know the, the the language choice. I mean, this is how we talk. It, again, it's not it's not an act. It's not a performance. It's not to segment our audience. And it, you know we know because we know who our our customers are. We know who our community is. That. People run a far broader range of demographics than the folks who respond and assume that we must be trying to channel a particular audience. Yes. Um, so, so that's a that's a whole lot of intro that has, I imagine, something to do with our conversation today. I um, cursed a lot in the past year. <laughs> <laughs> We're doing our year, our year in review. That was that seemed to be the thing to do. Um, I think it was like I don't know if it was just more noticeable this year. I know you know Patrick, for instance, has like six or seven years in you know in the bank, and he always refers to the past. And there's other people that do this that's, sort of ritually. Patrick McKenzie, our friend, aka Patio Eleven. Yes, and his and, and his reviews are, are consistently very good. Brennan's done at least three two or three years in a row. I know Nathan has done done them just the same and his are often, you know, and graphs and beautiful. We never really did one. I don't think we have, at least not together. No, no, no I never really did one. I, I did a charity post last year Yeah. to show up, uh, to show off in, in like a positive, inspiring way how much money we spent on charity last year. And you did that again. You did that yeah. again this year. Yeah, that was yeah. the, um, the charitable giving post. And I've done sort of like statistical reviews of Indie Hall. Like we've had a good year, but here's a couple of numbers that I think are interesting. But I've never done sort of a comprehensive analysis. But um, we thought, you know, 2014 was um, it was a year. <laughs> fucking blue. It's fucking blue. It's fucking blue. Yeah. Well, you know, it's chunks. So I know you had a rough 2014 and I know a lot of my friends had a rough 2014. Personally, I had a pretty great 2014. Um, I mean, certainly not perfect. And there's things that I would have liked to have done differently and better. Um, but I don't have the animosity towards the year 
in See, in our in our rear view. It waited to bite your ass until the holidays, and that's when you hurt your shoulder. See, it's 2014. <laughs> it's a bitch. It's, it was just it was like a chilling. It was like it was like Franklin. It was just like it was lurking. <laughs> it was lurking until the day after Christmas, and it's like ah, oh, your presents are sweet. Fuck your shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> totally, that's exactly what happened. Um. So so you um the the post that um the person we were just talking about responded to was not actually the year in review post we're we're uh, going to be posting that along with this recording yeah. um that was more you phrased it as a meditation sort of what was what prompted that uh so last year i did not write i did not write a year in review for 2013 mm-hmm. but the first week of january of 2014 i did write a list of 15 goals i thought all right I'm going to get on this whole goal setting thing. <laughs> I'm going to set some goals. I'm going to set some, you know, audacious goals. And that's Alex's, you know, we had just that past year finished uh, making the 30 by 500 boot camp videos and materials. We had done, I think, two boot camps or three boot camps that year. Something like we that. had just created the exercise program at the very end of 2013. And that was our goal for that year, that, that boot camp. And I wanted to do more than just one thing the next year in 2014. So I I made a list of a bunch of goals and I wrote them and posted them on my blog. And (laughs) right, right after the new year, I was like, oh, wait, I wrote a goals post. (laughs) Did I do anything? Because it sure didn't feel like I actually achieved anything in 2014 because I was so, so sick pretty much all year. Especially at the end was the worst. So um, I went back and looked at my goals post and I had forgotten all the stuff I put on there. (laughs) I think I did it. I did it wrong. (laughs) And I just really didn't hit almost any of the goals. I definitely succeeded in five. And then you and I completely changed our minds about a couple of them. Um, And like I said, I wanted to grow Freckle to $700,000 a year in run rate. Totally didn't do that. We did grow more from the previous year and faster um, and did a lot of stuff to make that happen. So it'll continue, but didn't hit it. Didn't run 30 by 500 as many times as we wanted. Didn't do a book contract. Just a ton of stuff. And I was looking at these goals, kind of feeling bad, but then reflecting on what did I do. And I actually did a lot, which makes me think maybe the goals were wrong. So looking at the goals post reminded me how much I did do and how much I did achieve and how none of that was reflected in the goals I had made. Right. Which made me angry at myself. Right. So it was that that like that that ruminating feeling. Like I mean, even sitting down to write a year in review can be sort of this angsty, like, oh, do I really want to look at that? I don't feel like I got as much done as I wanted to. Yep. And on the on the other end of the process, you look back and you're like, wow, I didn't realize how much I did. So like, yes. that's, that's like, all of that is, it's pure emotion, which doesn't make it not, it doesn't like uh, negate the feeling, but it also, you sort of have to reality check. The feelings yeah. aren't the reality. Um, exactly. The map is not the territory either. Totally. So because you and I did about an hour and a half ago, sit down and just chat through yeah. what we accomplished in 2014. And wow, it's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, especially considering I just got sicker and sicker and sicker over the year, culminating in like three months of basically having a concussion right. towards the end of the year. Well, and a couple of the things that stood out to me too, you know, um, you had mentioned uh, sort of as we got to near the end, it was sort of like a... We did a, it was like a tooling and preparation year. So like yeah. we did this things that we intended to do, but a lot of the things that we didn't do, we replaced with things that will pay off dividends 
Longer. Over a longer period of time. So like, for instance, we didn't do that fifth boot camp like we planned, which would have brought us another, you know, we do a boot camp. It's normally 65, 70 K, um, in, in gross. We didn't do the fifth because you weren't feeling great and it was getting close to the end of the year. Too late. Yeah. So instead we opted to do a couple of things that were relatively smaller scale, less demanding, although that could be arguable considering how just fucking ship actually panned out, but we did just fucking ship, which is something that had been on the goals list. I don't actually think it was on the goals list. No, it wasn't. But it was something it, that yeah, was... no, no, it totally was, and I forgot about it. And I looked at the goals list. I was like, oh, I forgot I put that on there. Right. I mean, because I, I remember putting up the like the landing page at the end of January, and then it was that yeah. thing that we always like. Yeah, we'll get to that. Yeah, we'll get to that. So yeah. you know, yes, we, irony. We <laughs> exactly. We um. We didn't do that fifth boot camp, right. but but we did ship, just fucking that, ship. That wasn't on purpose. No, it was you not. You and I sat down, and it was right at the end of so reader uh, listeners readers. I didn't have a concussion. What I appear to have had was a increased pressure on my brain with a lot of concussiony symptoms. So you know, can't deal with light, sound, motion, being vertical, thinking. So I couldn't do anything, and I was coming out of that, and we're like. Well, we'd wanted to do a fifth boot camp in the winter, and it's getting close to the holidays. We wanted to do it earlier. It's it's getting too late. Should we do it? Should we try to squeeze it in before the holidays? And we just looked at each other and said, no. Right. And no. the other thing was we had been sort of gearing up to launch the Forge since, like, July. Yeah, and when I just, got sick. It kept getting – yeah, because you got sick and I was getting pulled into other things, which kept slipping and slipping. So instead, we were like, all right, well, if we're going to do something before the end of the year, let's do the Forge. So – I hunkered down and I was really doing a lot of the prep work to get that first week of the forge out. Yeah, because I was still feeling like shit. And I had just come back from where was it? I was. I think I was. It was. Oh, that was when I was in in Portugal. I came back from yeah. Portugal. Day one back was first day of the forge, which is our um, our new sort of exercise and support group alumni community for thirty by five hundred alumni. Um, so I was just like sitting up exercises and things like that. And out of the blue, Nathan jumps into our chat room and he's like, Hey, I'm doing this challenge. What do you guys think? Right. Yeah. Would you proofread my blog post about this 24 hour challenge? And I read it and I was like, I'm going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, uh, uh, okay. <laughs> so by, by saying no to the fifth 30, but have hundred, we unwittingly opened up the space for me to do this book. Right. Which is something that, you know, we, the trade off of of 60 K plus at the end of the year with another boot camp and exercise program, which would have required a non insignificant amount of work. We were able to do the forge, which had been waiting all year. And there's no way we would have gotten the forge. in if we had done another boot camp. No. Um, and having our forge members prepay for the first three months so that we know that they're going to be bought in and participating and all those things. Plus, just fucking ship, which opens up the other end of our sort of our, our sales funnel, um, which is thing really, really, really wanting and needing to do. Those two things alone, the things that we did in place of that sixty k, there's no doubt in my mind that those two things will out earn the quote unquote missed revenue. Yeah, totally. In, in the last quarter of the year. So when people say you gotta, it takes money to make money. I honestly think it would be better. To phrase it as, you have to sacrifice potential money to make more money in the long run. Right. But it just doesn't roll off the tongue the same way. (laughs) That's true. That's true. Um, What were some of the other things that were kind of interesting in our, as we were going through that 
exercise of gathering our goals. So oh, I o- forgot other hidden things. Yeah, right. I forgot that I redesigned the blog. Right. Uh, at the in December 2013, we signed up for Infusionsoft to up our marketing email marketing game, and it's amazingly awesome and horrible all at the same time. Yeah. Uh, and we set up those um, email courses, and with the new much refined blog design, uh, much, much simpler. We then put tons of calls to action on every single post. I paid someone to go through every single post and put up mailing list, sign up thingy on there that went to Infusionsoft. And that was like a tailored email course. Um, and so that grew over the year that doubled our list size yeah. from like 3000 to, Oh, uh, 3,400 or so to like over almost 8,000 now. Over 8,000. Over 8,000. I now. did, I did the math. Um, it was a 2.4 X growth. Right. 2.4, 240%. That's yes. pretty great. Yeah. So that's work that was done mostly in January and February of last year, but it's the kind of thing where whenever we did a new post, we always made sure it had a, a good, strong custom call to action yep. and we had infrastructure in place that made it easy to do that. Those are little things that we did that we don't really think about as things that we did, but the result, the payoff was huge. Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot. Oh yeah. Now, now we've got 8,629 people on the list. Yeah. So that's, that's, um, that's at, we've added 5,449 in 12 months, in 12 months without doing, I mean, and that's like a pretty consistent thing. Like any given time throughout the year, there's at least 200 people in that. So if we yeah. were to do a little bit of extra work at promoting that course, that yes. number would be much, much larger. So that that growth is it's ready the, and waiting for us. <laughs> it's the result of a couple of small operational things that we did that sort of dialed up the really the automatic growth. I mean, it was the, yeah. the, the all the posts that are out there continuing. Yeah, to grow. we haven't done a single like guest post or co webinar or anything like that to yeah. really get our name out there. Or if you were to even look at the traffic graph, you know, like a lot of times when people are growing their list, it's the result of, like you said, a webinar or some some individual post or a handful of individual posts that go gangbusters. I don't think there's any one thing that stands out above the rest. Everything just sort of relatively equally leveled up. Lots of little bricks yep. that are becoming a giant wall. <laughs> totally. In my parlance. Totally. Um, a wall's a good thing. A wall is a good thing. <laughs> um, the, the other thing was leaving behind, you know, leaving behind Wufu. We were using Wufu for all of our registrations and things like that for 30 by 500. Um, now we've got a a more, uh, workflow based set of forms built with gravity forms and WordPress and actually one of our alumni's plugin, um, that connects gravity forms into Stripe. And we use group buzz, which is another product from an alumni and Alex, you're a partner in that somehow. I don't know the details actually. Yeah. Um, I don't remember the details. <laughs> um, and what are some of the other like little? I created the making time, make time to make money guide. Right. And then at the end of the year, which is by the way, that's the hidden eighth bonus on the seven part series when you sign up for the email course, and we don't advertise it at all. Right. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> we don't advertise it at all, and it's actually really awesome. And uh, at the end of the year, I went through and totally redid it, so it's amazing now. It, just it was needs, good before. Now it just needs awesome. it needs a new title. Yeah, no one knows it's there, <laughs> and it's really good. Uh, we started to create an automated that they'll use the seven part course to have a rolling launch of thirty by five hundred to keep our 
our coffers constantly full of people who want to take 3500 That was one of the biggest ones since I did a lot of the hands-on sort of um, concierge-style work with prospects for 3500 in, yeah. in 2014. But there was a big change I from how we had done it before. And yeah, I'm, 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 I think I'm a little more relentless with my inbox and keeping it, it all organized. And what was really cool was having that rolling mention of, hey, there's a 30 by 500 coming up. If you reply to this email and let us know you're interested, uh, you know, we'll let you know when it is and we can get you on an early access application. Yes. And so what that meant was by the time we were actually doing a launch, of which we did four in the year, right? By yeah. the time we were doing a launch, there were as many as 15 out of the 30 seats of people who had already applied and in some cases already registered. Pre-sold. So pre-sold. Yes. So that made having a sold out class just so much easier. It took off a ton of the pressure of knowing whether or not there was going to be people in the class. Yeah, doing four huge launches a year is basically hell. It's, it's a t- <laughs> every, those, I remember, I mean, there's so many of the, the, the launches the way we used to do it that I remember that so were- So much stress. Well, and the one that stands out in my memory was <laughs> I was, Patterson and I were on vacation, um, which obviously we weren't really on vacation because- I was working on this, um, but we were in we were in Sonoma. We were in wine country, and she she went inside. I was like, "You're gonna go inside this like upscale wine and cheese shop. I need 45 minutes to process these applications as they come in with Amy." And I sat in the parking lot, connect tethered with my Wi-Fi, and you and I went through applications. We don't have to do that anymore. I can enjoy yeah. my time in wine country. <laughs> I don't think you told me you were in the car. That's yeah. Kinda- did, did she at least crack the window for you? <laughs> yes, it was. It was okay, beautiful, good. and it okay, was. Good. <laughs> it was probably. It was probably the nicest scenery I'd ever had for doing a thirty by five hundred launch, um, like doing all that that back and forth email processing. Yeah, um, we don't have to do that anymore. But we don't have to do that anymore, and that's great. And with the new the new product that we're working on, that's gonna that rolling launch is something that will be always there. People will always be getting into it, and we also have just fucking ship at the earlier end of that. So, you know, everyone who bought just fucking ship and like, this is great. This helped me. The number of people that have emailed us in the last 30 days since just fucking ship launched saying this helped me do a thing that I had literally just been dicking around for however long. And there's no good reason to have not done it. It's been awesome. It's been so cool. And every single one of those people, I think we have the ability to, for those who want it to, to do a little bit more for those who are like, okay, I shipped the thing, but I didn't get quite the, you know, I didn't get quite as many sales as I wanted, or, you know, I'm not really sure what I did wrong. Um, you know, the way we sell 30 by 500 moving forward is going to be helping people fill in those gaps between getting out from behind the procrastination of shipping things and yeah. being more consistent and strategic about choosing what to ship, how to ship it, when to ship it and so on and so on. So actually that brings that that right now brings up this Reddit comment that our alumni Sean pointed us out to today. Sean mentioned our book, um, which by the way I wrote all by myself. That's true. Just in case there was any <laughs> I'm going to be selfish and claim credit. Nope, hundred percent of the work. I was launching the forge. <laughs> yeah. That's your baby. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh we split parenting duties really well. So Sean mentioned JFS on Reddit, which usually is like a terrible idea. <laughs> this is this is Sean Fioretto. 
Right. Awesome dude. Yeah, one of our alumni sketching with CSS, and, and he's got a new uh, Angular course that I believe is out, right? I, I don't, I've been in the rabbit hole. I have no idea. I think so. But Sean Fioretto sketching with CSS is, uh, is, is awesome. We'll include him in the show notes. Totally. So this guy said, you might want to tell her, since there appears to be no sort of contact link on that page, that at no point does she tell you what your $19 buys you. I assume you get a PDF, but is that true? And is that all? Do I get Moby and EPUB? How big is the book? 21 chapters could be a page per chapter, for all we know. Typically, in situations like this, there are often tiered pricing options with videos, templates, and other materials. Where's that in this deal? He said, I want to buy it. I just don't know what I'm buying. It's not the price tag. It's just he doesn't know what, what's going on. Right. He said, your your friend mentor ha- seems to have left out all this fairly important stuff, and I'm trying to decide what that means. So, yeah, we ridiculed the guy who emailed us earlier because it's hilarious and worthy of ridicule. This is actually extremely good feedback. Totally. And I wrote back and explained, you know, you're totally right, and there's a reason why I haven't done that yet. It's because I wanted to get the book out. Um and by the way, it hasn't, it's not that it hasn't harmed sales. I'm sure there are, other, if right. he's, if he's one to say it, I'm sure there's others that would have bought, but had the same Absolutely. concern. Right. But it is better to make fewer sales because you're imperfect than no sales because you're waiting to be perfect. That's true. So and, you're, you're looking at losing money that you would never get. Right. Like. It's diff- it's it's a it's you gotta avoid the loss aversion and focus on what you can do, or else you'll get tied in knots and never do anything. Right, and, and there's so much room for incremental improvement. And from from day one of this book coming together and me seeing the outline that you had put together, I was immediately thinking exercises and being able to b- build more stuff. Do and now that we've got people that have actually used it and had successes with it, we have people that we can interview. Yeah. Um, there's all the the packages, the exercises. I took screencasts while I was working on the book. Screencasts showing how I use the techniques in the book to make the book, but I didn't have time to. Edit them. Yeah. And while I'm pretty happy with the sales page that that I that I put together, it's by no means the best. There's so nope. many things that are missing from it. Um and it was it's it's a bunch of text dropped into our existing WordPress template. With yeah. with the only real custom bit is the like a header image and that pink button that you made. Yeah, That's totally it. unideal, but and you know, if you don't have a readership, if you didn't journal, you're making the product and all, you know, it's unlikely that you're going to get as many sales as we are if you do things this way. But it's one of the chapters in the book is choose your difficulty setting. And I chose to do it the easiest way possible so I could actually ship the book in 24 hours and then, you know, wrap up all of the editing and writing within the next week and sell copies. Right. I could have waited. I know how to make a really amazing sales page. But we decided that was less important than making some sales and reaching some people quickly. Right. And again, the probably the biggest success in my mind of the book being out there is not the money that we made in, in November and December. It's the people that we reached that we yeah. hadn't reached before. Yeah. And momentum. And most importantly, their excitement and even more importantly than that their actual success. Like it worked like this thing got in the hands of people and they said, this was awesome. I told a bunch of people that I know they need to read this because it will help them. I know it will help them because it helped me. Yeah. Sales page. There's the sales page could never do as good of a job as that. No. Right. No. So, uh, I think getting it out there in the hands of people that already trust us, 
because of all the stuff that we put out, right? Um, and there's been people that have been waiting for, and we got people telling us, I've been waiting to buy something from you guys, but 30 by 500 is just not in my price range. Right. It's we've, like- we've known that all along. When you go from, you know, you read our, our read, read unicornfree.com for free, the next option is to pay $2,000, $2,500. I'm not surprised that there's people have been anxiously waiting for something. Yes. And more- if you, took a business analyst and sat down and looked at that fact the business analyst will be like well where's your other price points for the different types of customers you want to sell them an entry level something or other to get them in the funnel blah 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 which is why there's like every car maker except the top highest end brands have an entry level vehicle but we are only two people we have other things going on uh we did what maximized our impact and our money right so other things going on, I think is an interesting thing. And I don't know how many people that follow us. I know some people, I imagine a lot of people know that you do Freckle. Um, right. And some people know that I do Indie Hall. But I'm, I'm, I'm just one, it's one of those things that I have no idea. I'm curious how many people sort of realize that this collaboration between you and I, as, as large as it can be, it is a fraction of what we do. It is. Yeah. So in case you don't know, I run a software as a service company. Our app is called Freckle. It's time tracking, productivity, invoicing, reporting, really sounds sexy, I know. But uh, my first love is interface design. I love anything that I can do that helps people do better. So uh, interface design is one way. Writing this stuff is another way that I help people do better, make better choices. And... uh, I have my husband who does all of the technical lead, Thomas Fuchs. Uh, we have a part-time junior programmer. We have one marketing person, one part-time salesperson, and one support person. So, so it's a team of five. Nice little, nice little family. Yeah, and um, I but do that- the interface design and a lot of the marketing strategy and fair amount of content, but all of the design stuff, definitely. Given that it's a team of five, that means that you almost doubled in size last year because you added Amber we did. and Rasa. So that's, yeah, we did. I mean, a small team growing is not an insignificant thing, not just in terms of, you know, the adding headcount and costs and things like that. It's, it's just, it's more work. It is um, more work. And it, the payoff is there for sure, but it's, it's, um, among all of the things that we have to do, because we, we grew the team at Indy Hall. Yeah. Uh, as well. And I, I'm feeling that firsthand that working as a team beyond a duo in terms of operations, just like you and I, um, or just like me and Adam for the last few years, having it's a, a third real change, it is, it's a, it's a total mindset change and a lot of new, a lot of new things to learn. Um, and I know that also last year you, you had, and this is one of the, one of the most popular blog posts from last year, um, was a big copywriting change that you made on Freckle that helped you sort of pull through a, revenue plateau yeah um so was that was that 2014 i think think so 2013 do you think so i think so Uh, i have i have the worst sense of time ever though entirely possible yeah i i rewrote the copy on the freckle landing page and that dramatically improved our conversions i also this past year uh started a redesign of the application itself and don't cringe because i've watched a million redesigns go south so all that i did was to change the frame of the app first. And then we have more room to expand inside the frame of the app. That frame of the app had not changed since 2008. 
Uh, so it needed to, it was looking at really out of date and we were running out of space to put menu items. <laughs> it really had, had to go. Um, so incremental redesign, which is really critical because a big redesign is always doomed. And that's, that's gone, that's gone well from really well. Yeah. People we like had it. several, uh, upset emails the first couple weeks, people saying it's too dark because there's some gray in it. And I was like, I completely understand why you're saying that. Can you give it a couple weeks? Because the gray will fade into the background. It's just because it's new. Right. Um, we hired, we worked on some new features. We worked with some contractors to do some more development. Uh, having only two developers, we need more time, right. developer time. Um, made a lot of business decisions. Hired uh, somebody to help us create lifecycle emails. We created an onboarding. Pretty much, I say we, but Thomas really did all of it. I only gave feedback. We switched to Stripe, which was a team effort. We raised our prices. We dramatically improved our help site. We added a support team member. We added a salesperson. We created a sales process. It's a lot. That's a lot actually. in a year. It's a lot. Yeah. A lot of things. A lot of things for a small team. Yeah, that's that's pretty. But we incredible. didn't hit my crazy revenue goal because I was stupid. <laughs> <laughs> in, in how you set the goal, not because of in anything set, that you did. In how I set right. the goal. Right. So it's setting setting yourself up for a win versus setting yourself up um, for ambition, I suppose. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't think that there was really any way that we could have hit that revenue goal that year. But I feel very confident that we will hit it next year through 2015 because of all this stuff that we're doing. And we we now have the correct base to build on. Right. So that's got me excited. And then I would be remiss to not mention the fact that uh, while it's a relatively small percentage of both of our efforts, um, Brad Polly, who is my my collaborator in Group Buzz, which is our email discussion list, um, app. We use it in Indie Hall. We use it in our, our 30 by 500 exercise programs and for the Forge and in a bunch of other things. Um, it was our first full year of having paid subscriptions with, with that SaaS app as well. Um, and we cracked 10 grand in revenue for that. So, Congrats. um, yeah, that feels really, really good. And we've got a, a really awesome game plan for growing that in the year to come. And th- the thing that I should say is that number is, is in place. There's no way to to uh, self-serve sign up for the app. So that's $10,000 in revenue that comes from customers that I manually demoed the app for, helped them right. get on board, signed up. So going from a manual process to like a turnkey is actually what we're going to be launching in the next uh, month or so. Um, but that's, I'm pretty happy. I'm, I'm more than pretty happy. I'm actually quite happy with the, with the progress that we made and know that the only thing that's stopping us um, moving forward is, is uh, the time that we dedicate to it. Yeah, I think that it's easy to hear, oh, it made $10,000 this year and think, oh, my God, how much is that developer's time worth, right? But, of course, because it's a product and especially because it's a software as a service, that's just the beginning. Right. That's going to grow. I have no doubt in my mind it's going to grow. Yeah. Well, again, you look at what could, like, Brad have earned if he had just consulted with that time instead. And that's, like, up here. I'm holding my hand above my head. And then you look at how much group buzz actually made this year. And it's like down here, but it's again, that's that gulf of potential earnings, but in the future, it'll be worth so much more just like with the book. Totally. Um, and then the last thing that, um, and sort of like our trying to recap, what did we do this year that, um, yeah. that sort of almost slipped under the radar was that rooster soup company project that, um, that, uh, that we did with, 
Felicia. And actually, honestly, you led the majority of that. So that was a, uh, in Philadelphia, there's this uh, really awesome company. Actually, it's like a restaurant group, one of the sort of the higher end restaurant groups. And they, they also do chicken and donuts, which is amazing. It's called Federal Donuts. Right. And they collab, the Federal Donuts team collaborated with a, uh, an organization that feeds homeless people, right? Right. I don't think that they would like the way that you classify that, but they don't really have any better way to put it. It's right. a, um, it's like a home type environment where people can, people who have no place to go or to eat can go and sit at a table and be served good food. It's not the demeaning kind of bread line where there's a lot of control involved. Apparently homeless shelters are like little fiefdoms. Yeah. They control everybody all the time. This, this, uh, this, this church that runs it, uh, it's not, it's actually not a church. It's the Broad Street Ministry. Yeah. They're, they're very chill. Yeah. Non, non, yeah, yeah. But the, the thing that they really focus on the standout is, is this is an experience where you, you can sit down and feel like you're at a family dinner. Feel um, that you have dignity, even yeah. though if you don't have anything else. Yeah. So really tremendous That's, effort. And what's, right. what's, what's interesting about it was this collaboration allowed them to create a business that is neither Federal Donuts nor the Broad Street Ministry. A for-profit business. A for-profit business that uses chicken carcasses from the fried chicken, right? The, the remnants. Right. Exactly. But not post-consumer remnants. But, you know, you don't actually fry the spine or the neck right. or the skeleton. To make delicious, delicious soup broth. Yeah. And – you would think they would send that over to the Broad Street Ministry. No. Apparently, the logistics and donating food are absurd and not helpful. Instead, what they're going to do is this business is going to turn that delicious soup into a for-profit business, a restaurant that you or I or anyone in Philadelphia or visiting Philadelphia can go to, get awesome soup, and the profits from that for-profit restaurant business get donated to Broad Street Ministry to help All them run 100% of their profits. And then, you know, they're obviously going to run this this restaurant business as lean as possibly. Yeah, all the management team is donating their time. Right. This is not one of those fake charities where the people who run it get crazy salaries. But here's the thing is when we first heard about it, we didn't understand any of that. Yeah, I read the Kickstarter like three times and I couldn't quite figure out what was going on, but I I gave them the benefit of the doubt and because someone who else Someone else whose Kickstarter I had funded had tweeted this Kickstarter. I wrote back and said, I don't really understand this. The page doesn't really explain what it is. I think that you need to work on that. <laughs> and then I was, and then they, they actually wrote back and I was like, well, I'll help you. And uh, Felicia from this restaurant management group uh, offered to bring fried chicken and donuts to my office. And I gave her a boot camp in copywriting. So lesson, folks, that. is we can be bribed with delicious chicken and donuts. Yeah, we're pretty easy. <laughs> yeah. For a good cause. For a good cause. For a good cause. It's true. <laughs> so they were uh, struggling at that point to get donations, so to speak, to their Kickstarter because it was so unclear and it didn't answer the question, well, why don't you just donate the soup, for example, or how much of the money is actually going to be the profits for this thing and whatnot. So I helped Felicia with that. She did an amazing job. I helped tweak it when she was done rewriting it. Um, and they exceeded their funding goal, which meant they also got a, an anonymous private backer to match it. And it's they're going to build cool. out that restaurant. But Felicia said the best thing was that Felicia said, you know, now we understand how to communicate it to people. They ask – they don't ask what is it or why should I care or they don't just tune out. They say, well, okay, how can I help? And, and the, that was awesome. And the boot camp that, that you gave her was one – 
very discreetly in the sort of the pain dream fix sales exactly. copy format that we use. So, you know, when people think about selling and, and get turned off or don't want to seem salesy, it's not about seeming salesy. It's about com- effectively communicating it's about right. connecting with somebody and yep. effectively getting a message in front of them. So the same techniques that that we use and we teach were able to be used for a very good cause, which I you know I'm I would love to see us be able to do more things like that moving forward. Me too. Yeah. I really enjoyed being able to help use my skills um to create more impact than I could if I just went and volunteered somewhere. Oh, bacon biz. And bacon biz. How do we forget bacon? And a Se- two-day retreat afterwards. Second year in a row. Second year in a row. We made some minor minor improvements of uh, from the previous year, um, but it was the same general idea, right? Fifty fifty-ish yep. attendees hosted in your office, which takes off a whole lot of the stress. Yep. Super focused. Short talks. Lots of time to hang out. Uh, the best speaker to attendee ratio, I think you you'll ever get um yeah, so lots like of time to hang out or five to one something crazy like that um but yeah you mentioned that retreat we did afterwards i think that was that was a new addition that um was hugely impactful we were able to it's you know a mix of spending time with friends uh, as well as you know we're not necessarily what i would qualify friends with all of the people that we invite to speak we reach out to people that we admire and those who say yes come and speak as well. So the retreat afterwards was specifically for speakers to have a little bit of time to relax after a two-day conference, which can be kind of intense. Yeah. And also, and this was the part that I, I think everybody got the most out of, is you go to a conference as a speaker and you're sort of, you you you, you put yourself at the mercy of you are giving to everyone there, yes. right? You're giving your knowledge, you're giving your time, your energy. Yes. And it's not that there's nothing to be gained. It's that You've gone. You've spoken at tons of conferences. I've spoken at tons of conferences. Anyone who's gone to, as a speaker to a conference knows that you leave and you're exhausted. Plus, often your job is to challenge other people. Very few people then will challenge you because there's just a skills mismatch. Right. So we thought, how cool would it be to, in addition to having some chill time, to set up some structured time for yeah. the speakers to actually be able to help each other yeah Um, the first day we all like had brunch together and then we walked i took everyone on like a little historic walking tour around old city philadelphia and we hung out at the park and we hung out at the pier and it was awesome it was great and then day two we got sunburned we we, yeah which is was uh surprising to me um because it wasn't hot um (laughs) and then day two we we went over to indie hall and did uh sort of a two-part uh thing one was around sort of sharing some of our own goals um not just the little stuff that we're working on this year but like the big picture reason we work on stuff it was a great way to sort of bring our very small community that much closer together and and talk about the things that we really care about and find out that we oh, many of us care about the same things um and then the other the next part was or rather the last part was sort of everybody got 20 minutes to pick one thing that they were working on or that they were struggling with and to workshop through it with a panel of their speaker peers. And everybody got time. It was a really broad range of kinds of things that people wanted help with. But, um, you know, it was an, it was a nice blend of catharsis. I'm not the only one who gets stuck on these things, but also having people who are successful in different ways, look at your problem and help you solve it. So that was, that was one of my favorite 
that those two days were two of my favorite days of the entire year, work-wise. Completely agree. And we've heard from other attendees that was too, true for them as well. Right. Also, that was the time, I mean, you have, you have to understand, listeners, by the end of the second day, uh, which is fourth day for me as a conference organizer, I was literally falling asleep at the table. <laughs> Not because I didn't have enough sleep. I got plenty of sleep because I was just so wrung out. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I don't, I'm not a big stressor, but it's just like my body can't do that because of my illness. So, um, but I managed to stay awake long enough to talk about my, my growth issue with freckle revenue. And Patrick said, you should hire a salesperson. I've seen this happen. I've seen how this works. You need a salesperson instead of all this low touch stuff. And everyone around was like, like nodding their heads. I'm like, all right, well, I guess I need to get a salesperson. Um, and that, after that, I was sort of thinking about it and someone fell into my lap That's because I've been thinking about it. So you got that out of those two days. And the other big yes. thing that we got out of that was a conversation with Josh Kaufman about over two days. Yeah. About the book. Publishing, um, self-publishing. Josh's uh, talk is awesome, and you'll be able to see it soon. We're going to release the videos uh, closer to Bacon Biz time, so in April. Right. And his talk is about how to make book publishing, writing books, an actual business, not as a way to upsell expensive speaking engagements or workshops, but the actual books themselves. And, and he's brilliant at it. And he broke it down in such a way that it was it appealed to – our style, which is very systems oriented. We look at the problem, we go, how do we break it down into smaller pieces and then have them build on each other? And that's exactly yeah. what Josh did in yeah. a way that I I imagine over many years we may have come to on our own, but it was totally not obvious to me uh, or you until we saw it. And then right. after that, sitting down with Josh and talking about the route of going with a publisher versus independent because his first two books were traditionally published and they did very well very, very well, well very well um and uh i think it was that com conversation in combination with uh the one with ramit that really had us change gears completely from we want to publish a book that was one of the top line goals for you at yeah. the top of uh, secure a book contract 2013 by the end of the year. right and um we we really pulled um you know pulled a 180 on that with a lot of confidence that came from those two discrete conversations. Yep. It was very much a, oh, is that how it really works? I right. don't want that. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But I think that's the key. It was we knew what we wanted to, and achieve. to achieve and we assumed that the only way to achieve it was the one that was in front of us. Or the best way, right. I think. Right. And uh, Fastest. Right. And with our own resources and things like that. Um, so I think having having a more realistic glimpse into what we would be giving up to go that route. And re like you said, that is n specifically not what we want. Yeah. Um, made that decision uh, a whole lot easier. It really did. Yeah. Yeah, it really, really did. So Also, Remy emailed me today and said, you made the right decision. That was his entire subject. It was just in the subject. There was, there was nothing there was no, else. There was, no, there, was no, there was no body to that email. Yeah. Yeah. And I was I like, I love you're those right. Emails. Thank I love, you again. I love those emails. Yeah. Um, so, you know, a, a crap year in, in some measures, um, yeah. you know, health wise and, and productivity, but it felt like crap. It felt like crap, but looking back and, you know, along with this recording, you'll be able to see a more detailed outline of all the things that we, we did do, um, numbers that go with it, yeah. uh, and things like that. And I, I, it was a, it, experientially, it may have been a crap year, 
but we laid a lot of foundations to make this year pretty excellent. Yeah. Um, you know, we can work to keep our, our health in check and keep our energy and attention and focus in check. All of the pieces are there for us, which makes me feel really, really excited about this year. Me too. I have no doubt this will be our best year yet. I, I'm counting on it. I mean, even with all the things that went wrong, uh, we came within 11% of the uh, estimate for our revenue for 30 by 500 related stuff that which, I made the beginning of last year. Which was not super audacious, no. but based you – no, know, it, was, it was based in some concrete things. But we didn't hit it because of specific decisions we made. If we had done the fifth boot camp, we, we would have surpassed it. By, by another fifth, yeah. 10 or 15%. Yeah. So it was a, it was, it was a decision. And like we said at the beginning of this conversation, the revenue that we did not collect at the end of 2014, because we didn't do that fifth boot camp, right. I, I believe will more than exceed using the tools that we built in those two months instead. Yeah. Currently we're doing like three to six sales per day of just fucking ship without having any marketing tooling and with having all those problems with the sales page. It's about and, as Flintstone as you get. Right. And that's like 30 grand a year. It's more than that. It's 40. It's, it's like 42. It? Yeah, I did the math. It's like 40. I can't math. It's almost 42K. The other thing uh-huh. is, is like we, you and I, it's not that we work in a vacuum and you and I work really well together and we, we support each other really well, yeah. which is something I'm really grateful for. And for folks Ditto. that, for folks that. That's what I wrote in your Christmas card, which uh, I haven't given you yet. <laughs> Um, the, the, those of you, you know, there's, it's, it's hard to be in a good partnership. I've been in, in, I've been fortunate to be in a handful of very good ones, but I've also been in crappy ones. I know you have too, Amy, right? Oh God. Yes. And it's one of those things where when you've got a good collaborator, like a partner who's actually a collaborator where the sum of the parts is greater than what you could achieve separately, um, not in a. Amy can't do anything without me and I can't do anything without her, but together we actually create something better. Um, you know, we've got a really great working relationship that wouldn't, I don't think we could do all the things we do if it didn't work that way. However, the one thing that we're really missing or have been missing is the, the contact with people other than us that do things like what we do. And so between bacon biz, which is, I think really catalyzed a lot of that for us. Oh yeah. And we've got our, our chat room with a handful of other, you know, product people, friends, um, around becoming friends, people that are becoming friends. And it's really fun to have a place to invite someone that you admire and get a lot of, you know, like, Hey, like I really, whenever you speak, I think it's worth hearing. We've got this little watering hole that we hang out in. We'd love to have you there. And, and every time we add a new person to the group that way, um, it sort of it like I feel like it lights up our, our little world a little bit more. Definitely. And then the amount of successful alumni of our classes is growing as well. On and a, I love how many of them are teaching me things now. Yeah, you're totally right. The people, the, the students that have surpassed the masters is, is increasing quickly. Love it. And to have to, it's one of those things where like, it's the slowest way to do it, to create your own peers. <laughs> That's but, really though. That is what we set out to do. I don't know if you remember why I wanted to host Schnitzel Conf yeah, in no, Vienna to start I, with. I, I, I was like, if I can't find any fucking friends who will talk about this stuff with me, I'm going to make them. I'm going to grow them in a Petri dish. And Amy, that, that's where Indie <laughs> Hall came from as well. Like Indie, Indie Hall was the, where are my, where's my crew? 
I can see them in what feels like almost any other city than my own. Yeah. And Indie Hall grew out of that effort. So yeah. this is just one more one more little universe where, you know, the, the 30 by 500 alumni that are that are active, the ones that are in the Forge and the ones that aren't in the Forge that are doing great work. Um, you know, that's the stuff that also, you know, that's, that's some of that s- semi-invisible support structure that helps us move forward. Um, knowing that there's people out there succeeding, um, not by our hand, by their own, but that we've been able to play a little bit of part in it. And that gives us the confidence to keep going and do more, um, make us feel really feel like this is all worth it. Absolutely. You know, building it's, it, it's, it's, I know I have a very clear and personal theme to all of my work that community is at the heart of it. And if you look at everything that I touch, bringing people together and not just like in a room, but actually connecting with each other and having them add to each other's lives is what makes me tick. Um, and that our business together is both as successful as it is and increasingly so, but also fulfills in that goal makes me feel really good about what we do together and also I believe allows us to set a great example for other people that do not believe that this kind of business is possible. We want to be here to say, shut up because it is. Right. (laughs) We don't really care if you never buy anything we make. No. The reason that we put this out here is not some sort of calculated cold marketing effort, although it totally works as marketing. Sure does. But I've been writing about how to be a better designer, developer, business person well before I could make any money off it for a long, long time. Because I know that the I grew up uh, in a shitty suburb, completely isolated. Everyone around me was an asshole, and they thought that they were like God's gift because they were a dental hygienist. I could tell you stories about my neighbors that would make your toes curl. <laughs> no fa- one did what I did. The fact that it's that it's dental hygienist, I, I don't know why that makes oh me giggle, God, but it does. Oh my God, they're so full of themselves. If you're gonna be high, if and you're gonna be high on a horse, right? That's not the horse I expected. It was horrible. <laughs> it was the <laughs> really worst, bad. worst I horse ever. Angsty poetry about the suburbs, man. I hated it. Um, the reasons I'm who I am, doing what I do, is because of books I read that inspired me. It was books that inspired me to quit school and unschool myself in high school because I was so unbelievably miserable it was the people i knew on irc who had these tech jobs who didn't have a degree that made me realize that it didn't really matter you know it was watching the the small world of mac shareware which used to be small but mighty you know like watching panic and whatnot and then make all that money and and do things the way that they wanted to do it that made me realize that was possible because literally no one i knew ran a business growing up i didn't know a single adult who ran a business ever yeah so all those examples are the only reason that I'm doing what I'm doing. I want to be that for other people. Amen. And a good note to end on. So I'm going to finish up the more calculated post. By the time you're listening to this, you, it will be done because you'll be reading it. Um, if you're listening to this in iTunes or on SoundCloud, you can head over to unicornfree.com and check out our 2014 recap post and uh, we've got a lot more coming up actually a lot more audio stuff too right so we've got a lot yeah. more um, some some conversations around some particular themes and, and questions that people are asking some of our alumni that have been doing incredible things uh, some some deeper insight into what it's been like to be them 
while building their bacon biz. Yeah. Um, and a lot of good stuff. So uh, if you listen to this on iTunes or, or SoundCloud, go over, you know, click subscribe. Um, if there's a, a rating or a review, a comment, we'd love to hear it. Uh, hit us up on Twitter. Just and don't complain about our language if you then continue to listen. <laughs> Pick one or the other, please. <laughs> I, think, I think that our opening, Amy, may have... Uh, been a, a perfect filter. <laughs> I don't know. All those emails I, I sent that said just fucking ship in the title didn't make that one guy unsubscribe, so uh, just saying. Well, the <laughs> podcast will be marked explicit in iTunes, we so go. we don't have to worry about it there. Yay. All right, cool. Have a uh, great rest of your evening, and I'll talk to you again soon. Yes. Bye. Bye.